This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 57. Coming up, we discuss life after isolation and its impact on our mental health. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and wellness through small, healthy habits. We can start right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica, and every other week we sit down with a certified health expert from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and others to do a deep dive into topics that cover nutrition and fitness and a whole lot more. And on this episode, we're talking about life after isolation and the impact that it may have had on my mental health, your mental health, on your family. So today, we thought we'd get an expert. This man is president and CEO of Pine Rest Christian Mental Health Services, Dr. Mark Eastberg. Uh, and he's also a clinical psychologist. He's received his uh, doctoral training from Fuller Graduate School of Psychology in Pasadena. He serves as chairperson of the board of directors for the uh, Covenant Retirement Communities and also is on the board of directors for the Michigan Hospital Association. He, too, is married to a Susan, which is nice. That's my wife's name. Uh, she's a nurse. Well, Dr. Eastberg, good to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here, Chuck. So I have to ask you before we get into this great topic, your wife, Susan, is she always Susan to people in Michigan or do they tend to compress the name and call her something else like Susie or Sue? Or it drives my wife bananas. Yeah, she's Susan to me and certainly at home, but <laughs> at work it has morphed into Susie and that's what her friends call her at work. But that's the only place. My wife is from the South, and to her, you know, if I called you Joe, your name is Mark. I mean, to her, anything other than Susan is not her name. It's really funny, and it just happens by default here in Michigan. I don't know what it is. Anyway, you know, here we are. I hope you're well. I hope your family is well. But we're coming out of, for us in Michigan, which, you know, has been a onerous process for some, about 70 days. Yeah. You know, that uh, we've had this shelter-in-place order got lifted June 1st, so it may vary if somebody's listening from out of Michigan, but kind of the same situation. And through this time, we've been encouraged to socially distance ourselves. So now maybe you have family at home, maybe not. It's so complicated because it's based on your own context of what's going on. But talk about this idea of anxiousness, maybe, uh, because some have anxiety already before we got into COVID. But now you've got lots of other inputs, right, that are causing the pot to be stirred. Right. There's really a lot going on, Chuck, with people. And as you mentioned, you're right. Every situation is really individual. I guess I'd like to frame this, you know, taking a step back. You know, when we, we're isolating in place, when we're staying at home, we're really disrupting the balance of our lives. We all kind of live our life uh, with a balance of stressors and also things that give us support and help us. But in these last 70 days, as you mentioned, or more, a lot of those things that we rely on have been taken away. It's really a sense of loss for a lot of people. We've gained a few things, and we can get into that in a minute. But for most people, I think would say that they have lost some things that are really important to them. And we're certainly seeing that at Pine Rest as people are seeking services. And some of those things you're talking about that are missing could be really at the very basic level, right? Like you may be missing the ritual of getting up and driving for your favorite coffee and getting a muffin on your way to work. I mean, there are certain things that don't seem like they would cause you to feel off kilter, but they could. That's right. Yeah. You know, what we're seeing is, you know, first of all, 
the face-to-face connection that people have with their friends, especially adolescents, the research shows that the peer group is so important, you know, that connection. And, you know, after a while, Snapchat and uh, Instagram just doesn't cut it. And there's really a desire and a lot of the supports that teenagers experience. You know, recently, uh, a widowed man who uh, was really looking forward to visiting his adult children and is now coming to us because he's anxious and depressed. The other takeaways really relate to jobs, and some of those can be pretty extreme. You know, for some people, it's it's actually a loss of income or maybe the sense of satisfaction they get from their job that they're not able to do. Uh, for some people, it's a sense of safety on their job. They're going back into work environments, particularly healthcare workers, where they're not sure if they're going to come home and bring a disease to their family. You know, unemployment has been related to really serious mental health issues like suicide. So we're watching all those things. That's another takeaway. And when you say that and you put all of that together, obviously, again, it's affecting everybody differently because I have felt anxious, but I don't tend to have anxiety. I tend to be a positive person, even by the, you know, the strengths finder test. That's one of my top five strengths. I have positivity. I just, I look at life that way. So yet I can still get anxious or I can get affected by watching the 24-hour news cycle. But for people who are coming to see you or others that are looking to help them, is there any common denominator of what's happening in their life that's causing stress that you're seeing? Because you mentioned a few different things. Yeah. So what we're seeing are really as wide a variety as people themselves. So recently we saw somebody who who kind of tends to lean toward obsessive compulsive disorder, who's now really stressed about fear of contamination. So, you know, that, that was maybe just below the surface for this person. And now it's really full blown for people. You know, the sense of loneliness, particularly people in a high risk group who've had to be really strict about socially isolating, you know, that People who are seniors who are over 80 years old who, you know, in the case of my dad, has had almost no contact other than digitally with people outside. Those are really important features that help people keep healthy and well mentally and physically. And to take them away is really challenging. And we're seeing people coming to us who now they're seeking services and they're saying, I could really use some help. Yeah. And is help then, and I know it's all, again, based on individual circumstance, but in general, is it a matter of, um, I don't want to make any assumptions, but is it a matter of really sitting down with you or one of your colleagues and talking to someone? Is that enough for some people that they're able to just express, you know, the world seems off kilter and I just don't feel like I'm right within the world. And oftentimes is that enough is to just talk it out? Yeah, that could be helpful for some people. We're seeing people coming to us, you know, now that they're out there seeking all kinds of medical services saying, you know, I find that I'm really anxious and this anxiety is really getting the best of me and I could use some professional help with that. Mm. Now, we were open all through the crisis as a mental health service and we're actually doing 6,000 teletherapy and telehealth visits a week. Wow. So that's been a really great resource for people. But, you know, we're seeing the phones ringing more and more for people coming out and say, okay, it's time to get some help. I've been stuck at home for two, three months, and I, I need something more than just what I'm doing. And for some people, medication can be really helpful as a boost around depression and anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I'm sure you've seen these articles. If I've seen them, I, I know you've probably have. It's interesting to me that we haven't changed the name of what we're supposed to be doing from social distancing to physical distancing. Really, the you know, the prescription mm-hmm. is physically distance yourself, not socially distance yourself. So whether it's a, you know, get together on your driveway with a few buddies six feet apart, you know, now that you can do that or with family members or extended family, it seems to me that we assign the word social. And I read that article and I thought, you know, that also implies you should just keep yourself away from people even digitally. I know that's not what's happening, but I wish they would have changed the name early on because now it's stuck. I mean, now it's just social distancing, you know? Yeah, that's a really great observation, Chuck, is that uh, what we're after is physical distancing. So to keep people separate, not socially, but enough space so that the virus doesn't spread. So as moms and dads and just as, you know, members of a family unit that are together, what are signs we should be looking for in some of the kids that we have in our household or even the, an adult, you know, a spouse? What are some of the signs we should be looking for that someone is having trouble and maybe they're not verbalizing it to us? Yeah, well, so, you know, with kids, especially the younger kids, you can see acting out new behaviors, new troublesome behaviors, socially isolating, angry outbursts. We are seeing an increase of couples that are coming to us for couples therapy. So, you know, sometimes the togetherness there, again, it's thrown off the fragile balance that some couples have. And so needing to address those. But, you know, any any significant changes of mood and behavior, that's what we look for anytime we're worried about someone with a mental health issue. And, you know, I think we can all see these changes not only in the people that we live with, but also perhaps ourselves, too. You know, a range of emotions that we hadn't experienced before COVID-19. And so that also means that maybe we need to be more gracious if it isn't us. And sometimes we don't know, right? If I'm feeling anxious, I may be snapping at my wife, Susan, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. So let's just say that. But if we're trying to be mindful and um, without tiptoeing around what's happening with them, but if we're trying to be mindful of those things, you're giving us some warning signs and maybe some, you know, some things that are overt that we're able to see, we need to also be able to offer grace to somebody else, right? We need to understand that maybe they're having a harder time with this than we are. Well, absolutely. You know, when you know, I go to the grocery store and in line and you see somebody who's perhaps a little cranky or snappy, You know, it's just wise to think, well, maybe this person owns a restaurant or a small business and they're really not sure how they're going to meet payroll or if their business is going to be even around in three weeks. So to give somebody like that who is looking at their life work sort of fading away, as you said, lots of grace, lots of leeway. We all have our own stuff that, you know, we can react out of, but, you know, to be understanding and we don't know the other person's story, especially strangers who uh, we bump into and might rub us the wrong way. And, you know, on the positive side, and even the positive side can have ancillary effects, you know, this idea that we've been able to spend more time with family members. If you were typically going off to work to a location and now the two kids are running around and mommy, daddy, what, you know, and you've got that, the dogs are barking. You're trying to do a zoom call. You know, you just spilled your coffee on the, on your makeshift desk. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that even in the positive nature of your family, sort of getting this two months of time to connect, I suspect there are issues, but what are some of the other upsides you're hearing and seeing people maybe verbalize? They're actually saying this has been positive for me. 
Yeah, so we make a lot about introversion and extroversion. And the folks I'm talking to who are more on the introvert side who say, this is really great. There's so fewer expectations around social demands and interacting socially. There's, there's a great opportunity to have a lot more private time, downtime to think and be by oneself, a lot more control over what happens to a person socially. So, you know, if you're wired that way, this can be a moment of almost a break from some of the, the demands that feel draining to you. You know, as you've mentioned, too, I've heard a number of creative ways that families have connected even across the country via Internet gaming that's going on, that they get together on Wednesday night for a game night together as a family, whereas, you know, from California to Texas to New York, whereas before they wouldn't really thought to do that because they were engaged locally. That could be a positive if you turn it into that. We did that with our kids, who uh, we have five kids, and our one daughter and son-in-law are in Ann Arbor, and we were able to do game night, you know, set up the iPads. They had the scorecard, we had the scorecard, and we're playing, you know, Yahtzee. What's nice about that idea was that in the midst of the game, it's not the fastest moving game if you don't want it to be, but it was nice to ask, well, how are you doing? What's going on? Are you both still, you're both working from home? You're able to interact in ways while you're weaving that in and out of the game. And I think for us, that's going to stick. Some of the other kids, we tried other ways of connecting, which was great. But I'll tell you, that was a huge upside for us to stay connected that way. Yeah, I you know, heard one family member say after a game night like that, you know, it felt like we were actually together tonight. Yeah. And so that maybe isn't fully, you know, like 100% together, but that's one of those opportunities here. So positive can also be that uh, men and women are now working from home. We're reading all kinds of things about what the future may be, right? That this may be something that sticks for a lot of companies. But I know from studying you know, men, I can't talk about women as much because I haven't really looked at that, but I've seen data that shows that men, maybe even more than women, wrap their self-identity up in their job. And you probably can see this and explain it in a much better way. If that's true, then the question would be, if you're now doing, quote unquote, your job from home, even that can be a shift that affects you, right? You're not really finding the self-worth or you're not the boss that you were before or something. You know, it seems like there could be something there. That's correct. You know, it isn't until you are working from home that you figure out the parts of work that either gave you a lot of stress or you really miss. Maybe it's those hallway conversations with a certain person or group of people that you don't have anymore, that you've got to schedule a an internet call in order to have the run-ins with them. So yeah, it can be very different. Your job takes a different turn. And I guess, you know, one of the questions that we're asking ourselves, you know, we're doing a lot of the teletherapy is what will people want when this is all over? It's a Mm. parallel question to what will the work environment look like? Well, do you hear people also expressing the idea that they don't have to be stuck in traffic for an hour, you know, and and having the guy cut them off on the lodge? I mean, there must be something there that's, it's more productive, I guess, for many, you know, that they don't have to drive two hours a day or something or an hour combined. Yeah. Are you hearing people vocalize that? Yes. If it's an hour therapy visit or a 50-minute therapy visit and somebody lives out of town and it takes them 45 minutes to get there. It's a lot more convenient to just go into your basement or uh, what some people are saying their 
going into their car in the garage because the household is noisy. And it saves them a lot of time. The downside sometimes, there was actually a study years ago that showed the further someone drives for therapy, the more gain they get out of it. I don't know if they were able to process ahead of time. And then afterwards, oh. you know, we're in this sort of living experiment of what COVID, post-COVID healthcare is. Yeah. And I don't think we know the answer yet. That's interesting. You were talking about therapy, but I was asking about the idea that they actually don't have to fight their way to their jobs every morning and every evening in traffic. I mean, it would seem to me that, uh, and I'm just making an assumption, that that's a lot less stress for some people that don't have to ha worry about a commute both ways just to get to work. Well, absolutely. You think about particularly here in Michigan, where in the winter, people driving I'm based in Grand Rapids. We have people drive from the lakeshore. Mm -hmm. Well, the end of January during an ice storm, that's pretty sketchy. And so for them, it's going to be great not to have to worry about that extra piece of the commute. So, yeah, all the, the upsides of not having to travel, whether it's your job or therapy or uh, even going to visit with friends, and are you seeing any data that's indicating, you know, the hospitals started talking about this, I think at least a month ago, that they were not seeing as many people come into the emergency rooms with, God forbid, a heart attack or something, a stroke dramatic, not related to COVID, but they just weren't seeing those emergencies come into the ER. Do you see any correlation to less stress in people's lives because maybe they're not commuting or getting all riled up at work? Have you seen anything? Because the, the, I continue to see that reported that hospitals are still not seeing people come in for some of these things they would expect. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to have to look at that carefully. The data, the early indications are that actually it's deferred care rather than, mm. you know, I didn't have heart attack because I wasn't stressed out. Gotcha. That we're seeing the results of, of people who've had a heart attack decided not to come in until things are kind of have gone bad oh. for them. So uh, that in the mental health world, what we're seeing is people, the people who are coming to us who tended to be more ill because they had deferred care rather than the stressors had gone down. But we'll need to sort that out as we go. And that kind of leads me to the idea of self-care. I've heard this a lot, the phrase self-care, because of caring for my elderly mom and dad uh, through the through the last year and, and even back farther than that. But the idea of caring for someone. In this case, self-care could be more about us, about me, because I am maybe going to be the chief of the household, but I still got kids running around and the two dogs need to be walked and, you know, I got to worry about dinner and going to work and all that. But talk a little bit about us allowing the oxygen mask to drop from the ceiling in the airplane, putting it on ourselves first, maybe before we go to care for everybody else, because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we maybe can't keep the household running the way it should. Well, that's right, Chuck. Absolutely. I would say that how we can best cope and adapt during this time is to be sort of paradoxically focused on two different things. One is to be intensely focused on self-care. What do we need for ourselves? But then also intensely understanding of others in our world. Mm -hmm. And those two might not always seem to go together, but you're right. If we're not caring for ourselves first, we're gonna the tank will be empty to care for or have tolerance for the other people in our life. So, you know, as, as your listeners are thinking, well, how does this apply to me? You know, the first really important step that I would suggest for people is to take stock, take an inventory of, 
you know, during this period of time, what have I really lost? What have been the big things that I have not been able to do? I mean, it could be connecting with a face-to-face with a certain friend, or maybe it's going to the gym that really helped inspire me to, to keep going. What have I lost? And now how do I replace that with things that are healthy, things that can prop me up, energize me, fill my tank? You know, what we're seeing is a lot of people are turning to alcohol as a way to sort of numb. People who are in recovery are having a hard time staying in recovery. There's some relapsing going on. We're also seeing people, they're stuck at home. So what's the natural thing a lot of us do? Reach for our cell phone, get into social media and get pulled into maybe, you know, one therapist talked about picking digital fights, getting sucked into conflicts, overeating. So, you know, for people to take stock, how do I help? What have I missed? And what do I really need to do to take care of myself? I think that's a great place for people to start. And it's very individual. People know themselves. Start with yourself so you can give grace to other people. Yeah, that's great advice. And yeah, I remember my late mom, before she was really in the throes of Alzheimer's, she would say to me, you know, I made a lifetime of a career in television news. And she would say, you know, I get so anxious. She really used the word, I get so anxious when I watch the news. And I said, Mom, I'm on it, but it's okay, turn it off. I mean, (laughs) if it bothers you. And I think... Those inputs we're getting, whether you're focused on, you know, your retirement plan and, oh, don't look two months ago. It's okay to look now because maybe it's come back. So make sure you're you're taking a peek when, when it's appropriate because maybe some things actually work themselves out. Or if you're getting anxious watching this 24-7, you know, or getting on Twitter or whatever, it just seems like if it's causing you grief, there is an off button, right? Right. We don't always recognize that or... We're bored and we just, it's really easy to go to social media or the news. Yeah. I think in this digital era, it takes a lot of intentionality to find the things that are life-giving, joy-giving, that aren't found on your phone. Uh, you mentioned Grand Rapids and the shoreline there so and January in about the same sentence. And so because I was a weather guy, I know that, you know, after November, sometimes we would joke until June 1, the clouds come in and they don't ever leave Michigan. Well... Now that we're able to get out, isn't there an upside to our mental health in the sense that we're able, I'm able to let my dogs take me for a walk. The sun is out. It's a little warmer on average. I'm producing vitamin D just because it's happening. I mean, there's got to be a positive effect to at least the season we're in now, right? Yeah. You know, moderate exercise is one of the best ways to care for depression. So being out and active is a mood booster. And one of the best things that you can do now, especially that some of the restrictions are lifted to get out and uh, physically distance, we won't use the term socially, just physically distance <laughs> to get out, get out and get moving is one of the best ways you can self-care for your emotional health. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, you talked a lot about how people are struggling in different ways. If we are struggling, if part of self-care is self-awareness, right, that we're either seeing it in us or in a teenage kid or something, a lot of us have trouble asking for help. What, what suggestions can you give us, uh, even if it's a telemed you know, session, how do we get from thinking about it to starting something so we can actually go seek professional help like you would offer? Yeah, you know, I guess a couple thoughts there. One is to recognize that we as a society have been through uh, somewhat of a traumatic moment here in our history together as a nation. For some people, the trauma is extreme. 
you know, they've lost loved ones, people have died, they've been unable to grieve. For some of us, it's just, you know, trying to be a mom or dad at home. And instead of a three month summer vacation with the kids, we've got a six month summer vacation. Yeah. But there's this sense of trauma and to recognize that the experiences that you have, the feelings you have, the anxiety, depression, maybe there's guilt, it is normal. You've been through a kind of a trauma and it's just like you'd go through any other physical trauma. It's okay to get help for that. And there are a lot of really good resources out there. There's things to read and the teletherapy resources are really accessible now, really easy to use. And so you don't have to drive for 45 minutes to get to a doctor's office and worry about where your five kids are going to be. You can access in your home. What, what is the number one reason that you hear from people that they say the reason they didn't come to see you sooner? Is there, is there a top of the hit parade reason? It, it, I mean, there are all kinds of things I could think about, but what is it that keeps people from seeking professional help when they probably know they need it? You know, a lot of it is, I thought I could handle this myself. It's some of the old stigma. You know, I didn't want to appear weak. Uh, sometimes it's a financial reason. Like, I, I thought yeah. it was going to cost me a lot of money. But, you know, we still have this holdover that uh, seeking help, seeking therapy, counseling is is some indication of moral failure. But I think it's actually the opposite. To recognize that you need some help uh, takes some courage and some determination and a intense prioritization of your own health. And those are character qualities in my mind. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. That's encouraging. I I know as a um, as a son of a dad that suffered from anxiety and depression, one of the other issues for me of of trying to relate to it and be encouraging when appropriate, et cetera, was that unlike breaking an arm, you know, I couldn't say, "Dad, get in the car. Let me get you to the ER. We'll get a cast. You know, they'll set the bone. It'll all be okay in six to eight weeks." It's different with mental health issues because it's for us who are looking to care for someone else, it's hard to really relate sometimes. And it's hard for us to expect, well, we know what to do. Right. We don't sometimes, you know. Right. There's not a lab test. There's not an x-ray that you can take. But as you know, if you're living with someone suffering or you yourself are suffering, it is absolutely just as real. The pain of depression, the pain of anxiety is just as intense as the pain of a broken ankle. Yeah. Well, as we start to wrap things up, and I know you've talked about several really good takeaways for us, but do you have other suggestions that we haven't talked about or kind of go over some of these things again? What should we be watching out for for self-care and for other people in our family as we're starting to make this transition, you know, and re-entering society, if you will? Yeah. So uh, just a couple of thoughts. One is, to have a check-in with the people that you're living with. You know, maybe it's a family, maybe it's a partner, or somebody that you're working with closely. You say, hey, how are things going here in our household? Uh, how's the relationship going? Are there mm-hmm. things that I'm doing that are bothering you that I can adapt to? How do you think our life could be better together? The old family meeting. And I'm sure people have thoughts and feelings about it. They'll have some ideas. The other way to keep it positive, you know, you started the interview talking about the importance of keeping things positive. If you're talking about what you need, to focus less with other people on what they're doing wrong and just to say what you want. So instead of saying, you know, you're crowding me, I feel like I have no time by myself. Every time I turn around, there you are. 
to reframe that into a way of saying, hey, you know, I'm finding I need about half an hour during the day to fill my tank by being by myself on the patio or taking a walk around the block just by myself. And I, I feel like I'll be a better person to live with if I can do that. That's what I need. So to take whatever you're, whatever under your skin or bugging and frame it into what do you want? What is it that you want? It's a lot easier to hear that than what another person is doing wrong. So I, I would, again, start with yourself. What is it that you need? Turn that into words about what you want from people and then let them know. That's great advice because it also sets some parameters without being a tough guy, right? That somebody knows, well, that's your thing, and I'm going to be yeah. respectful of, of what you're saying to me because verbalizing mm-hmm. it is, is really important. Well, this has been awesome. I, I've learned a whole lot, and uh, I hope you and your family stay well, and we'll continue to uh, practice all the things you're talking about. I keep looking, you know, kids and grandkids are afar. They're not always with us. So you keep trying to figure out, is everybody okay and what's going on? So it is tough to juggle. Lots of great takeaways today. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Chuck. It's been a pleasure. Oh, same here. That was uh, Dr. Mark Eastberg, who's president and CEO of Pine Rest Christian Mental Health Services, giving us so many good takeaways. We want to thank you for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show and you want to know more, check us out at a ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can leave a review or a rating on Apple Podcast or Stitcher and get new episodes, old episodes on your smartphone or tablet. So when you're going out for your exercise for, you know, your chance for the dog to take you for a walk, you can take a healthier Michigan along with you. Be sure to subscribe to us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast app. I hope you continue to be well. I'm Chuck Gatica. Take good care. <laughs>